Welcome to this week's podcast from Gathering Place Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, please visit our website at gatheringplacechurch.com. We're happy you're here. Um, if it's your first time here, we are on our third week in our series going through the book of Daniel. Has Daniel been blessing you? Have you been given some backbone? Have you been strengthened? I pray you have, as I have, as I've been just studying it and praying through it. Um, last week, we, uh, we talked about, or the week, our first week, we talked about honoring God in a world that doesn't and how God can put you in a place maybe in a workplace, maybe around family members that don't honor God, but you can be an influence to them, that you don't have to hide from them, you don't have to keep your faith just in church. But as St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel and use words if necessary, that your life models the gospel, it models the truth. This morning, if you're taking notes, you can, uh, there's a spot in our app, if you're new with us, that you can jot down notes. This morning I want to talk about the Daniel dilemma. Anybody ever been in a dilemma before? You're not knowing what to do, maybe how to react. I know I've been in many dilemmas. Some of you were in dilemmas probably right now. But what's neat, as we live in a culture that we see compromise all around us, we live in a world that is so quickly shifting. The Bible talks about so much not following the spirit of the age. That as believers, if we can take what Daniel has modeled for us, which here's the amazing thing about Daniel, is it's full of theophanies, which means revelations of Jesus, that it reveals Christ. You can see the gospel. Daniel is a Christ figure. So when you see how Daniel lived his life, when Daniel is mentioned, it should ring a bell that, hey, someone in the New Testament it's a lot like this, that it, Daniel lived his life Christ-like. Daniel represents Christ in the Old Testament. We also see a, a, a powerful theophany, as we talked about uh, last week, faith through the fire, where uh, what appeared as though the Son of God rescued the men, the fourth man in the furnace, right? So I pray this morning that we have a theophany as we look at Daniel and we see the revelation of Jesus in our lives. That as we've taken communion this morning, as we've partaken of him, that you're going to see Christ revealed through the word of God. All right, so we have a great story this morning through the Daniel dilemma. Anybody love the story of Daniel and the lion's den? One of the great stories. Daniel is full of some of the best Bible stories, I think, in the Old Testament that just strengthen our faith. So what we've been doing, we've been looking at things personally in our lives of especially this morning, what are dilemmas in our lives and what are qualities that we see from a lion tamer? What are qualities we see of how we can stand strong in faith? And then on a different perspective, we've been looking at things in our country, in America, current events of how we are to respond when our faith is put to the test. I was doing some research through the Family Research Council, which is a wonderful, wonderful ministry Uh, You're actually going to hear next week from uh, Pastor Cole, who is uh, interned with Family Research Council in Washington, D.C., and he's going to give a wonderful word on being a Christian citizen, of how to take your faith and be a citizen with it. Uh, So it's going to be very biblical. It's going to be full of scripture and believe you're going to be blessed by it. 
but we were going through some articles of just some different current events of things that are taking place that if you aren't plugged in, you can just really miss what is going on in our country. Anybody ever been surprised? You're like, I had no idea that was going on. You might catch an article or you might catch something scrolling on Facebook or whatever. But I don't know if you caught this because this just really speaks that we live in a fallen world. Our culture is broken. But as believers, we're not called, as I say often, to sit back and judge it. But God wants to put us in it to bring healing to it. That we have the answers. We have the hope. And it's up to us to take it into the world. We see in the book of Daniel of not retreating from Babylon, but how to thrive in it. That when you have a resolve, when you purpose in your heart as Daniel did, the power of God will sustain you through the testing and the trying, and he will empower you to stand strong when it seems that everyone else is bowing down. This was an article from uh, the CDC, and it doesn't take a lot to see that sexuality in our country is broken. And the biblical perspective, the biblical truth to sexuality, to marriage, to relationships is under attack. But this just startled me that uh, a month ago, the CDC issued, and then this is the New York Times reporting on it. They said that more Americans are suffering from sexually transmitted diseases than ever before. It's an all-time high our country has ever seen. It says that every year for the last four years, more and more people have become infected, and then it lists the, the STDs there. And it says the CDC uh, reported in 2017 that the number of new diagnosed cases rose to 2.3 million, just in America, of sexually transmitted diseases. And it says, uh, just as I was studying, this article mentions that uh, the age is younger of these diseases coming about between 15 and 24. And it says that there's these super diseases that a lot of the medicine that would solve these STDs is now not working. And so we see, just by reading that, we see in our country that it's broken. That it doesn't, when you don't understand the context, because sexuality is a beautiful thing that God has given us, but when it's taken out of context, the enemy can use it and pervert it and cause pain, hurt, and suffering. And so if we don't know what the context is of, of marriage and of our sexuality, then how many of you know the enemy will use it to bring pain, hurt, and suffering in our lives? Secondly, quickly, there's uh, another article of, um, do you all hear about the, uh, cheer, the Texas cheerleaders in uh, Texas? Obviously, I said Texas cheerleaders. Uh, but it was, it was some high school varsity cheerleaders where uh, this has been going on for about five years. But this uh, varsity cheerleading team, they would put uh, these massive banners up as you know, the, the football players run through and the coaches. And they would put an encouraging scripture on it. You know, they wanted to do something positive. So they simply said, hey, let's put scripture on these banners. How many of you know in a public school, someone got offended. They reported them. The school tried to shut it down and say, we're not going to do that. And so the cheerleaders, with a good heart, if you go and you really see what happened there, they said, you know, we're going to fight this, that this is not the school's place to tell us what we can't put on our banners. And so it went all the way up to the state. The state fought for them and granted them the privilege. This just came about. It was a five-year process in saying, you can continue to put these scriptures on the banners. 
And so it's amazing if you look into that, you know, these are high school students standing strong for what they believe in. When I see young people, not even adults yet, standing for what they believe in, I don't know about you, but it puts something within me. Hey, if they can do it, we can do it. Thirdly, there's, and I'll just kind of end with this, but there is a, um, recently uh, some emails were retrieved of, uh, here's the title of it, it says, emails received from high school teachers plotting to hide their political bias from parents. So these uh, teachers were emailing through school uh, communications, through their school emails, basically uh, talking about their political agendas, talking about their anti Christianity agendas saying we're not going to talk about these certain things, especially when it came to uh, Israel and some anti-Semitic uh, things were seen through those emails of how they were going to address Israel in their classroom and geography. And so we see it all around us that our world is slipping into a post-Christian society, into a post-Christian culture. And what I want you to see through that and what I want you to get the heart of Daniel this morning is he was in a dilemma. He had a choice to make where he could either bow, the Hebrew boys could either bow or burn. And again, Daniel, at the time of the fiery furnace and the time when he said no to the king's food, they were just teenage boys. So these were young men. I can tell you there was, they dealt with fear. They dealt with anxiety. It's death if we're wrong. But there was something within him because they had that resolve that they were able to choose to do the right thing. The beginning of the year, one of our main points as we talked through the book of Haggai was that we're going to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. Daniel constantly chose the hard right over the easy wrong. Usually when we choose the right thing, there's a cost. It's hard. The easy path is usually the wrong path when you look at the patterns of scripture. But this morning, I want to look at the Daniel dilemma, Daniel and the lion's den. And I want to start off, there's several points, and um, Sarah, I'm just going to call out some different scriptures, so just kind of flow with me this morning. But I want to look at verse 1. I want to read this to you. It says this, Daniel chapter 6, verse 1, it says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself, hear this right here, verse 3 is powerful in the story. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So we see Daniel experiencing great favor with the king. This is uh, the third king that Daniel would serve under. Now, what's amazing is we talked about in our first week that the life of Daniel was seen from him as a teenager to him upwards of 85 years old. Here in the story, Daniel is 80, 81 years old of what study will tell you. And so Daniel has seen a lot and talk about a legacy that he has lived of standing strong, of honoring God, of being faithful for 80 years of his life. And so Darius was smart. And you're going to see through this that Darius and Daniel had a friendship. And there was a strong friendship between the two of them. Darius was a pagan god. He didn't serve uh, Yahweh. He didn't serve uh, the God of Israel. And so we see right here that Daniel is elevated into a place of 
of what we can understand today as a prime minister, that there was three governors set in place, but he would actually be over those governors. So we see Daniel given great influence and great power. And this really leads us into our first point, that we need to understand when God uses us. If you're taking notes, write this down. Three truths to help you stand strong. Number one is when God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. Anybody ever experienced being tore down when you feel God raising you up, when you feel God putting a purpose and a call in your life? The cheerleader girls, when they simply stood for God, everyone came around them who didn't agree and began to tear them down. The same is for you and I. When we choose to stand for God, we have to know that there is going to be a fight, a battle on the other end. And really what we need to know as a church and as Christians and be constantly reminded of, I wrote this down, is if we're not ready to face opposition and being obedient to God, then really we're not ready to be used by God. If we're not ready to face the opposition of it, then we're not ready to be used. So if you know there's opposition of on the other end of it, then you're going to be able to stand strong when your faith is put to the test. You're going to see that the other pagan governors of how they begin to get jealous and envy of Daniel. They didn't like his leadership. So it says what they began to do was begin to butter up the king. They began to tell him how great of a leader he is. They began to feed his pride and feed his ego. They were envious of Daniel. Now, if you do any studies on envy, envy is one of the most destructive things that can be a part, that can be a vice in your life. It robs you of so much. It puts you into comparison. It puts hate and jealousy and anger in your life. And we see that these other governors were dealing with this envy, that they could not stand Daniel. They could not understand him. We're going to see in a minute what that began to do. And so we see in the story that Daniel chose to distinguish himself. We, we hear this common theme, and it says that an excellent spirit was put within him. When we're full of the Holy Spirit, guess what? We have that same excellent spirit within us. A common theme we would see of that excellent spirit in regards to Daniel would definitely be, number one, a spirit of purity and a spirit of purpose. And when you have the Holy Spirit, there is a spirit of purpose and there's a spirit of purity that is in your life. And this is how Daniel chose to lead, to live, and to love in his life. And so we see this uh, plan that they began to devise. And look what it says in verse 7. It says, So the administrators and the governor stood before the king and said to him, King Darius, live forever. So this is where they're buttering him up. They're making him feel good. They're saying, man, have you put on some bulk? You're looking strong today. Verse 8, it says, All the commanders, governors, the highest officials, and the regional officers have consulted together to establish a royal statue and a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except from you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. First of all, that's a big lie because Daniel was not present when they were consulting. So Daniel did not get the invite to the meeting. So they lied to King Darius, and they got his ear because... They told him how great he was. Verse 9, it says, Now therefore, O king, establish the decree and exhibit the writing publicly so the decree of the Medes and the Persians cannot be changed. What you need to know about this is how law worked then is when a uh, decree was put in writing, even by the king, 
when it was put in by the king, it could not be changed. It could not be reversed. The king could not reverse what he had wrote. So that's why they were really pushing him to make this decree. So we see what happens when Daniel learned of it. So I can tell you the, the other governors in his uh, uh, court ran and told him, hey, Daniel, by the way, there's this new law, man, that you're not allowed to pray. You're not allowed to worship anyone else but Darius. And so Daniel finds himself in this dilemma. He finds himself in a dilemma. What is he to do? But we see in Daniel chapter 1 that he purposed in his heart. He resolved that he was not going to defile himself. So this was just another opportunity. He was just going to do what he always did. He knew his God. And he knew that even if God's power did not show up, he was going to choose to walk and to follow him. One, he could have said, okay, I'm going to stop praying. Two, he could have said, I'm just going to pray silently. Or three, and this is the decision he made, that he's going to keep praying and even risk death because of it. You know, we really see through Daniel chapter three, the excellent spirit, how he distinguished himself, that this is the spirit you and I are to have in the last days. That when deception looms, when we need to be able to discern what's truth and what's not, that we need to have this spirit that Daniel did in order to thrive, in order to bring truth, in order to stand in the culture and in these last days. What else is very funny, and I believe this is what the world does to you and I, is it says that they could not find any fault in Daniel. They weren't stupid. They knew he served God. They knew he walked in purity. He honored God. So they knew on spiritual matters that they weren't a, were not going to be able to get Daniel. So they had to make it political. They had to go to the king, get a law wrote to try to trap him. The same is with you and I. When we choose to take a stand, the enemy will work every angle and every corner to try to trap you into a face-to-face decision to whether you stand or whether you bow. I pray that we would take that same characteristics of asking the Holy Spirit to put an excellent spirit within us. And we have to ask ourselves, are people finding fault in my life? What's the condition of my integrity? What's the condition of my character? It's not about being perfect, but it's about making progress, that people see you moving forward in your walk with God. It's not a perfect walk, it's a progressive walk, it's progress in your life. And so King Darius was fooled, he made a decision, he made a covenant, and he made an agreement that he was going to sign this into being. And this leads us into our second point this morning. I love this right here, because this is where we find our power, and this is where we find our strength. It's number two, it says this, it says, kneeling to pray is what gives you the strength to stand. Anybody agree with that this morning? Can I get a good amen on that? Kneeling to pray is what gives us the strength to stand. This is where we find our power. This is where we plug in. This is where we recharge is when we kneel to pray. Verse 10, this is what Daniel's response was to this decree and to this law. It says, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs rooms where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed. And this was a custom of his. This is what he always did three times a day. And he said, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. You know, there's 
a lot we can unpack just right here. We could start a whole series on prayer just right here. But what's a point that really uh, jumped out of the pages to me is it says the windows were open. So when he walked up, he didn't intentionally go and open the windows, make a big announcement, get the music playing and say, here I am, I am about to pray and defy the king's laws. He simply went up, the windows were open. He could have chosen to go and close the windows and pray silently. No one would have ever seen him, even though I can tell you the other governors were camping there waiting because they knew what he was going to do. But he chose to go about what he always did. He knelt and he prayed. He was respectful. He, wasn't, he didn't flaunt it. He didn't have an ego in it. But he simply knelt before God and he prayed. As I was studying, I, I, a question came. What was it exactly that Daniel might have prayed? What, was, what would that prayer look like? It actually takes you, uh, there was a scripture in the commentary that said that he would be praying the prayer of Solomon. That as he would have studied Daniel uh, in the Old Testament, he would have seen a prayer or he would have been praying a prayer that's found in 2 Chronicles 6, 36 through 39. And this was a prayer of repentance that Solomon prayed. I just want to read it to you quickly. And this is a prayer we're to have because Daniel not only interceded for himself, but he interceded for God's people. He interceded for the, the entire nation. One man turned the heart of king after king after king because of his faith in God. So this is a little bit of what the prayer sounded like. Second Chronicles 6.36 says, When they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you become angry with them and give them over to the enemy who takes them captive to a land far away and near. See, God's people were in captivity in Babylon. So this is a prayer. This is a, a passage of scripture that Daniel could really identify with. And he says, and repent and plead with you in the land of their captivity. So he's pleading with God as they're in captivity. Saying, we have sinned, we have done wrong and acted wickedly. And if they turn back to you with all their heart and soul in the land of their captivity, where they were taken and pray toward the land you gave their ancestors, toward the city you have chosen and toward the temple I have built for your name. Then from heaven your dwelling place, hear their prayer and their pleas and uphold their cause. Forgive your people who have sinned against you. That would be the heart of what Daniel was praying as he was in the room and the window was opened. What I love too is Daniel's, again, his resolve that Daniel resolved whether it was three times a day, sometimes five times a day in Jewish custom was five times of prayer, that he was going to meet face to face with God no matter what. You know, there's a spiritual principle here we really need to see. And this has been a personal prayer of mine is in the midst of having a baby, in the midst of the busyness of church life and just life in general, anybody ever find yourself where, oh my gosh, I haven't knelt in prayer to God. I, I, that, that committed time has been busy or I've had my phone on and, and got caught up in a text or found myself scrolling that we have to guard that committed time that we have with God, that prayer life that we have. It's just like in Bree's and mine and Bree's marriage is since uh, having a baby, we had talked, we're like, okay, we have to be intentional before Daniel ever comes that we take a date night or we're not gonna, we're not gonna have that committed time where there's no interruptions, there's, there's no baby, where we're just taking time to connect with each other. So we've worked it out where Saturday nights, G-Ma and Papa will take baby Daniel and we can go 
and have a dinner and, and sleep well so that we can have strength and, and be something for you this morning. But there's something powerful when you say, this is the time that we're going to take. And you do whatever it takes to guard that time. The same as with God, is we have to make a commitment to guard that time. That yes, we can have intimacy with God here, but there's something that Daniel knew where you can't have love without law and you can't have law without love. That if you love somebody, there's parameters and boundaries that that love exists in, which therefore puts rules and laws around it. So that's a heart of what Daniel knew, that there was a committed intimacy in his life. And that's a prayer of mine that, God, I want to have committed intimacy with you. He knew that he didn't have to, but he needed to. Anybody agree with that? That we don't just, uh, we're not spending God because we have to. We spend time with God because we need to. Our souls need it. The very depths of who we are needs it. Because we will fizzle out, we will bow if there is not a committed intimacy with God. And so we have to ask ourselves, do we have this committed intimacy in our lives? I love it too because Daniel's first response wasn't panic, but it was prayer. Many times we feel that there's this panic, there's this angst that comes upon us. But Daniel's first response was to kneel humbly before God and pray. The reason he stood strong before men was because he knelt before God. You can write that down. You'll stand strong before men if you kneel before God. I love it because you see these, uh, these pictures of Christ. And if you read the, the story of Daniel, you'll, you'll begin to see resemblances of Jesus Christ in his story. What's amazing is Daniel could have chose to flee just as Christ as he could have refused the path of the cross but he chose to stay on it because it was the joy that was set before him, which was you and I, it talks about in Hebrews. The same was with Daniel as he was praying for his family, that he was praying for those that were in captivity, that it was the joy, the potential that his people could be set free. And study will tell you is that because of Daniel's persistent prayer, because of his committed intimacy, because of his stand, his influence with kings, is that Darius was the one who actually released God's people to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild. And not just release them, but in our terms today, sent them off with $120 million worth of gold and treasure to fund their work of what they wanted to do. So look at what Daniel did and how it paid off. But another perspective we see of it is Daniel was never able to go and experience that. He stayed in Babylon. Many times we look at what we're called to do and what we're called to be. Sometimes we wish that we could go there, but God might have you planted right here to be change and to be, in, to be an influence. So we see so many parallels in the life of Daniel. We see his prayer. And what I want to hit on and, and really close with here, it, before we get into the miracle that happened in the lion's den, was the friendship between Daniel and Darius. You see that Darius was tricked and he knew it. And so it says that he began to, to be, become very worried. And it says he began to, to try to reverse the law. But the governors reminded him that now that the law is in place, it can't be reversed. And so we see this pagan man begin to become very fearful and to begin to worry of what he had just done to his highest advisor, Daniel. That now he's thrown into the lion's den and there's nothing that he can do about it. Wow. 
It even says that his friendship with Daniel in the New King James, it says that he labored. In other translations, it says that he actually went and he fasted on Daniel's behalf. This pagan king fasted that Daniel could be spared and could be released. It even says, as you go and read, it says that uh, he said, your God will rescue you, right? So he's seen what God could do, and he was saying, your God is going to rescue you, right? Look what it says in verse 16. It says, so the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, your God, whom you continue, who you serve, continue, he'll deliver you, right? Here's where we see a parallel of Christ. It says, then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, Where else did we see a stone laid over a tomb? It says, and the king sealed it. And it says that the purposes concerning Daniel might not be changed. So Daniel had no guarantee. But what he did have and what he did show to Darius and what he shows to you and I is a living testimony. That he represented the living God. The same as with you and I. That we should have a living testimony. Not when we die and people say nice things and great things. But what's your living testimony? What are you standing for now? How do people see the testimony of, of Christ in your life? This leads us into our third point. Is when you do what's right, you can always trust God with the results. This is a promise we have when we do the right thing. When we choose to walk in integrity. When we choose to walk in character. We can trust God with the results. 80 years again, Daniel had been faithful. And his prayer was the same. If he saves me, if I will trust him. If he doesn't, I will trust him. Here's what it says. It says in verse 22, this is where we see the miracle take place. It says that God sent his angel and he shut the mouth of the lions. Anybody ever seen the lions in your life, the mouths of them shut? God did a supernatural work. It says that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. Look what it says. It says, because again, there's this friendship. It says, the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in God. Brie, if you would come this morning, I want us to declare a song here in a second. But we see another picture of Christ here. Is Christ had conquered death, that he walked out with not even the stench of death upon him. Daniel models this for God's people. That not a wound was on him, not a scratch, that God had done a work, that the mouth of the lion was shut. Many critics will say that, oh, Daniel was a lion tamer, or critics will say that, Um, the lions were fed and nourished by the king before Daniel was put in the tomb. But what you'll see next in the scripture is how because of the order that was given and because the miracle had taken place, it says that the other governors of the king were thrown into the pit. And the detail is amazing. It says before before as they're thrown into the pit from the top down, It says before their bodies even touched the ground, they were devoured. So those lions were hungry. But Daniel is is a powerful scripture, even as you have critics in your life, those that question the faith, is you can point to Daniel and say, look of how this points to Christ thousands of years before Christ even showed up on the scene. So it points to that. I might have the time frame off there, but 
It was many, many years and centuries before Christ had come. And Daniel speaks and shows the power of God. And so the men were killed by the lions who tried to question God. You know, Darius, it also says this, that he went to the tomb the day after just to see if Daniel was alive, if God had really showed up. Another picture of Christ is that is who, who knows the woman who went and visited the tomb first to see if the tomb had been rolled away or who went to Jesus' tomb. It was Mary Magdalene. That Darius is a picture of that, of, of going to the tomb to see what had happened. You know, I pray this morning that whatever trial, whatever lion's den you're in, that we would fall to our knees and pray. We would bow low before God because that's where we're going to find our strength to stand. My prayer is as well, is that we would do what's right and that we would trust God with the results. That no matter what is thrown our way, that we would take on the spirit of Daniel Though he was tempted, though he was tested, he could stand. Our faith will be tested, whether it's now, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's three years from now. We, as believers, will always be tested. It's in the small things and it's in the big things. But Daniel saw God's faithfulness from a young man and he saw God's faithfulness as an old man. God wants his faithfulness to be woven into your story where you can trust his goodness. And how does that happen? We stay in full communion with him. We trust his word. So if you find yourself in a dilemma, look at Daniel, look at the blueprint, look at how he trusted God, look at how he stood strong. I love it because it says again in verse 23, it's because he had trusted in God. Put your trust in him. I pray right now as you bow your head, Father, that wherever our faith is, you would increase it right now. We place our trust in you, that the enemy can't change who we are because we belong to you. God, put a spirit of iron within us to take a stand, to take a backbone, that we would keep the windows open. We wouldn't be silent about our faith, but we would be as Daniel who used strategy, who used wisdom and excellence, full of the spirit of God and represented you in a world that didn't honor you. Strengthen us right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're going to continue to pray. Bree's going to declare this over our life. This is a song that we've done uh, here in, at ZCA Chapel. And imagine 50 kids sitting right here, hands up worshiping. These are kindergartners through third graders declaring this over their life. I just want her to declare that over us as a church this morning, that the enemy can't take who I am. Your identity is sealed in him. So you can bow your head, you can take a knee, but let's just connect with God and ask God to give us a stronger commitment this morning. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed. For more messages like this one, check out our website at gatheringplacechurch.com.